Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 254 for June 29th, 2015. On today's show, we're talking about top coating paint, zero clearance for dado blades, and buying lumber online. All that and more coming up, but first, let's talk about how you can support the show. Just go to woodtalkshow.com, look over in the right-hand column, and you'll see a few donation links for a one-time or recurring donation in a small amount. Whatever you can do certainly helps keep the show going, and we appreciate that. And hey, while you're there, stop at woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway. There's also a link to giveaway right there on the site. And enter to win a couple of things, and we'll be announcing a winner for that soon we'll probably announce it on the next show and then the next month we'll have another new thing for you to sign up for so all good stuff yeah lots of good stuff woodtalkshow.com also we've got our advertisers links there which is nice if you go there and give them a click they appreciate it definitely oh yeah they love that that's the whole reason why they advertise with us it's not because they want to be associated with us right no they just want people they want people to get to their website and stay there and not come back to woodtalk Okay, let's move into what's on the bench. Just get right to it, guys. Um, For me, I'm building a new project. It's the outdoor bench. And one of those things that I I sometimes survey this stuff on Facebook just for fun to see what the general community wants me to do. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, normally it's not good to do that. You know, like, I like to be a community guy, but ultimately when I ask for people's opinions, I tend to end up more confused on the other side than I was before I asked the question. (laughs) Do you do something like you you get ready to post it and then you set like a bottle of aspirin on one side and a bottle of Tums on the other and you're like, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times it's uh, it can be very confusing because you get this influx of uh, just opinions and not just people answering the question, but people giving you business advice and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So <laughs> those right. are the fun ones. The business advice ones are always fun. Yeah, it's like, should I do a complex bench or should I do a simple bench? 
Uh, and it's like, well, I think for your viewership, you should probably do this and then charge this much money and then do this. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to know. Simple or complex? Like, Ultimately, <laughs> it's always super secret option C that you never thought of, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So so uh, that, that just, I wound up going with something fairly simple. And what I'm going to wind up doing is showing how this basic simple bench design can be modified at a certain point. You can modify it, add a few things here and there to spice it up a little bit, make it a little bit more interesting. So it's sort of the best of both worlds. Um, I do have an experimental-ish sort of design that I've got cooking up in my head. I even got a, had a chance to talk to David Marks uh, because it involved bent lamination and being outside. So I wanted to get his experience with some of the adhesives that he's used in the past and how some of the stuff has held up for him. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the things when I worked with him a long time ago was uh, this outdoor sculpture that he did with this beautiful bent lamination. And it was like it was like a globe that was for outside and it spun and everything. And it was uh, he did metal leaf work on it. And it was it was really awesome. Well, this thing has been out there at a I think it's at some kind of winery or something. But there was an outdoor art display uh, that he let me know that it did not fare so well. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I remember him building it when I was there. It was a 400 pound burl that was being turned at the time and hollowed for this process. And I, I don't know how the, the burl globe fared, but the bent lamination just did not pan out. So it really matters what adhesive you use for, for that type of work. So that's what I was talking to him about. And it's so because of all that, I'm now worried about exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to, you know, if it's even worth it to do it. So I've kind of backed off and went to this more simple design. That's a little bit more traditional in its, its structure and the way it's made up. So, so it's a, a simple complex. Uh, yeah. I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult than it needs to be, but okay. I'll, I'll have a simple version available as well. So if it was on a on, on a, a curve, we'd be looking at somewhere just just ahead of the actual height of the curve. If it was like on a bell curve, I mean complexity versus simplicity, <laughs> yes. versus something like okay. yes, exactly. That's that's how I was going to say it, but uh, you, okay. you beat me to it there. All right, yeah, I want to give people <laughs> that imagery. I hope that's not an art piece that suddenly the uh, the people that had hired Mark uh, David Mark to do that, if they're like you know. Mark the guy off the list. <laughs> I'm, I think he donated it. I don't think he got paid oh. for it either. So he probably was like, oh, yeah, well, it serves you right, you yeah. jerks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in that case, they're like, not our loss. <laughs> right. He just used Elmer's and threw it together. Well, and the thing is, when you look at some of David's stuff, and you guys have seen a lot of his things, uh, folks who've seen Woodworks know the level that uh, David designs and, and the amount of work he puts into his his woodworking and can you just imagine i think he told me the number of hours and it was just astronomical you know and then it all ends up in something that just delaminates and just doesn't right. do what it's supposed to do it's very it's kind of depressing to think about it but uh, at the same time you know a lot of this woodworking stuff is a bit of a, a experiment for all of us to kind of push the limits see see what how things fare you know and i do that myself there's some stuff that i make that i just kind of put it in the backyard and what happens happens you know and i've gotten mm -hmm. to the point where i'm i'm okay i'm not going to be upset if something is destroyed by the weather that's a lesson learned you know it's just a little personal experience not something i read about something that i built and saw happen and now i have a piece of information i could use for a future project so i don't uh, i don't worry about it too much Nice. You know, I keep thinking, so Samantha does a lot of photography for uh, one of the local foundations. It's the Meyer Frederick Garden. Uh, and so they re just recently had a Japanese garden whole thingy going on. And she went and did photos for that and then did things for the, the donors and stuff like that. And I said, well, do you think they want me to donate anything to the garden? And she's like, no. <laughs> no, we're good. No, we're good. No, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All set. 
Well, I just have to say, uh, Mark, your um, your um, output sickens me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just finished like a bucket list item, and it's like, okay, now we're moving on to some sort of simple, fancy compound thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know what does that to you, kids? <laughs> like the thing is, like I don't have time to screw around. Uh, because I have another build. The gaming table is coming up in the fall, and that's almost near. Uh, we're, we're almost done designing it. So I, if I'm going to get any projects out on the free site, I have a very limited window to get that done and no rest for the weary. I mean, I haven't taken a day off in a long time. So, See, and, and I use my kids the opposite way. I'm like, I can't work on that. I got kids. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute. I thought it worked the opposite way with kids. I get, well, here's the thing. It's a cycle, and I'm learning as I go. It took me three and a half years with a kid to get to the point that I can actually eke out a certain level of efficiency with the kid and because of the kid. Up until okay. this point, I've been playing catch-up just trying to get things done. You know, right. so, so it took three and a half years to figure this out. Not only that is kid will become kids very soon. So exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's looming. The little girl is looming over my head now saying, daddy, daddy, change, catch. My, change my diaper. Yeah. Catch. Here I come. I'm going to slide out. All right. That's terrible. Oh, that was horrible. Yes. I hope nobody listens to that part. Uh, no one listens to the show anyway. So um, oh, that's true. We're safe. Right. Then. Matt, what have you been up to? Well, speaking of the kids and using them as excuses, that's what I had to go pick up my oldest from <laughs> Germany. So I did not have a lot of – I didn't have to go to Germany to pick her up. She was flying into the States, uh, Chicago to be specific. So I had to go pick her up. So that was my entire weekend. And then I don't know if anybody saw uh, on any of the social media I had posted that – it seems like whenever we're in that area, my wife immediately is drawn to Ikea like a moth to a flame. And that's pretty much how I feel when I'm in there. I'm like, everything I touch, I'm like, oh, I'm going to burn. Dang, that's a good design. I wonder how I can incorporate that in my next project. <laughs> how can I borrow that idea? <laughs> yeah, we should get one of these, but only for design and research purposes, not for actual – okay, we'll use it in the office, but that's it. <laughs> so, nice. so that was my minute. You're saying there's more at Ikea than meatballs? Uh, I never get past yes. the meatballs, frankly. <laughs> I can never get to them because usually by then I'm like, why is our cart so full and how are we paying for this? Aren't the meatballs <laughs> at the end of the line? They're at the top level, if I remember I guess it right. depends on the building, isn't it? Yeah, okay. maybe something like that. Well, the funny thing is we had – she – she, being Samantha, had so many things that she wanted to pick up for Madison to organize her bedroom. Literally, by the time we got everything into the car, I'm like, remember, we still have to pick her up and we still have to put her <laughs> luggage. Where is that going? <laughs> Top of the car. It's fine. Uh, she just much. rode in coach. She doesn't need much space. That's exactly She's already pre-compressed. Exactly. I'm like, you know, and plus on top of the way she smells from flying that way, she probably should be up on top anyways. We'll <laughs> Let put her up air out. Like grandma. <laughs> there you go. Nice. So that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, my kids kept me from doing any type of woodworking activity in the past week, and that's a story I'm sticking to. Now, Shannon, I hear that you had a little fever. Oh, yeah. A little fever. Fever. You had a fever. Speaking of fun things that come with flying, the petri dish that is commercial air travel mm. got me in a bad way. Nice. Uh, I can't remember the last time I actually had a fever as an adult. It was uh, not fun. Um, I haven't been that sick that long since I was probably like six. So, yeah. Well, I had uh, no idea. What? <laughs> I, I had no idea. I Normally, I know this stuff. I didn't know that you were sick. 
Well, that's the funny thing. It's like when you can't even get out of bed, it's amazing how like social media and blogging and stuff just doesn't happen. <laughs> you couldn't give me an update, dude. Come on. <laughs> that was pull out your phone like, and let me know. I, I wasn't even I didn't even have enough energy to like, you know, post anything. It was just, oh, kill me now. Was the uh, fever like so bad? You're like, I just had a, a conversation with a leprechaun who turned into a dragon. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That was the fever. <laughs> Something like that. That's yeah, terrible, was, man. So no. About a 102.5.6 for 48 hours straight and then it broke and dropped to 101 Whoo, that was a relief yeah it was <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea i brought home the viennese croup apparently and mm. uh you know it's fun when you go to the doctor and like when you walk in and suddenly everyone in the room pulls up one of those little masks you're like <laughs> hi <laughs> he's here nice to see you too suit up well, people know, there is some strange stuff when you go into the outback like you did yeah where the the, the austrian kangaroos they pass all kinds of stuff around <laughs> crazy australian diseases yeah so needless to say after being out of the country for a while and not getting into the shop and then coming back and being smacked upside the head with some sort of infection i have yeah uh, i actually just posted a, a a blog post today and while i was writing it occurred to me that i have a panel in the clamps that i put in the clamps three weeks ago oh, is this the oh one i thought that, that was the disease <laughs> like whoa i've never heard that one <laughs> panel before. in the clamps that's what a they panel call it in the clamps <laughs> sounds painful yeah, so the, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but I got to be honest, I just don't have the energy right now. I'm still in the recovery mode, so yeah, sharp tools and fever, not a good idea. Well, take your time; the shop can wait. Yeah, that's true. You're making enough stuff for all three of us here. <laughs> I'll send you all the extra <laughs> stuff I make. No problem. Yeah, you, just give me the cutoff. We'll be good. Yeah, I'll donate it. All right. Well, let's move into what's new. Got a couple things to share for you. A little bit of news, some videos, cool stuff like that. First one here is something that uh, that I noticed and. I don't think anybody's really talked about it, is the mobile SketchUp viewer. Now, this was an app that came out on both Android, iOS, um, I don't know, maybe maybe even a year ago. And uh, the problem with it was the only way you could get your models in there was to, to upload them to the 3D warehouse, and then you'd be able to access them once you sign in into the app. And that was a little bit limiting. So they just came out with version 2, and they've uh, improved quite a few things. You can now do some more file transfers from various places. Like you could take an attached email right from your mail app and pull it right into the app and view the model. You can sync it with your Dropbox account. I guess there's a Trimble Connect account, which I don't know anything about, but you can get your models there. And you could drag and drop and kind of get them directly via iTunes and pull them into the device. So that's a lot more usability than was there before and much more convenient, I think, for folks who are looking to get lots of models onto their device. So that's good news. It's still ten bucks in um, uh, in the iTunes store, in the App Store, and I don't know what it is on Android, but probably the same thing. So you know, it's still just a viewer, right? It's not. Yes, you can't actually do. You any are edit. still not able to really do much in the way of editing. Okay, I remember seeing that one previously, like whatever a year ago or something like that and going that looks really cool but i can't do enough with it to justify it it is if you're i guess if you're making plans it's not so great if you're building from a plan like i could see for instance guild members who get a really well-developed plan might want to take this on a device rather than have a computer or a laptop or something like that so if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're working from a finished set of plans probably not bad if you know if you're making the plans yourself yeah maybe not so great Oh, so when I was sitting at the airport waiting for Madison, it wouldn't have done me any good to like, oh, I need to finish up that drawing. Oh, no. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Sweet. Well, hey, we have this next one came in from Patrick, and it's called Carving in the Woodlands. At least that's what I'm calling the video because I think that's what it's actually called. And 
that is what is actually happening in the video. Uh, the first part of it, I believe he goes on to make a, a second item, but the first part is taking out uh, the gentleman doing the, the hosting of this, breaks out the axe and some blades and actually carves a big, he calls it a spoon, I believe, but it looks more like a giant ladle to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really pretty neat, and uh, the whole thing is outdoors. In fact, he shows off the hammock and the nice little tarp that he puts over it, which reminds me of my friends that like to do a lot of kayak, and they go, you should come along. And I go, are we outdoors? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> it's one of those videos, too, that really makes you feel at ease. I guess if you're not uh-huh. an outdoorsy person and you don't like camping, it might be a little bit stressful to watch, but <laughs> it's just the sounds. Like you, you just get all the sounds in the background, the sound of... Uh, you know, metal slapping wood and and just people just doing these little carving tasks. It's it's very metal slapping wood. Metal slapping wood. <laughs> it's not what I was thinking of when you it makes you feel at ease and in nature with metal slapping wood. <laughs> trust me, trust me. Watch it and you will feel at ease. Even though metal is slapping wood and wood is slapping metal and wood is slapping wood in some cases. Um, don't read into that too much. But it's <laughs> it's just it's one of those videos that I feel like I could I want to expand it to full screen, put on headphones and just be there for a few you minutes. Know, when I watched it, I, I had a moment I was laying in bed and I'm like, I'm gonna watch this just to make sure that I can say that I watched it. And I was I was laying there and it reminds me of a sound machine. Like I'm just yeah. like there's a lot of it. there's a lot of soothing sounds in there, uh, oddly mm-hmm. enough. Anyway, yeah. if I had been doing that. it, it would have been a lot of screaming like, oh, my God, bugs. Uh, uh, what's it? It's nature. Problem with nature is nature. Uh, I got a splinter. Uh, uh. <laughs> I got to hike out of here. There's no escalator. Right. All right, Shannon, save us here. OK, this comes from Glenn <laughs> and he sent us a link to a Vimeo video of let's see. Let's get his as uh, wording right here. Check out these crazy expanding folding black magic sorcery crazy stuff cabinets. Hmm. Well that done, is Glenn. the perfect I like description. They're they're very cool because they're very eight bit. That's the best way I can think to describe them. It's a it starts out as just this very kind of compact rectangular box on legs, and the guy comes in. And what I can't figure out is did is it like photo like trickery there or are these twins? Because it looks like the same guy who's pulling the table apart from both sides. I'm thinking so it's if, probably like a subdivided video. I would right, imagine it's the same thinking. dude. Well, I was looking at it. I was going, wait a minute. That's the same guy on both yeah. sides. And then, yeah. <laughs> but he basically starts pulling it apart and expands into this really, really wide thing. But it, it's just so Space Invaders looking to me. Yeah. Very 8-bit rendered. But I, I think it's cool. But why? <laughs> What does it um, do? Like, because they're, they're not structural. Like, you pull it no, apart no. and you can see one's kind of like slapping wood against wood. Or <laughs> steel against ferns or something. You know, it's, it's kind of wavering there. So you obviously can't set something on it. So it's, I guess, just an art piece. So I don't know. I go back to, um, oh, shoot, Brandon. Brandon, the guy, Mark, you interviewed him. Brandon Gore. Framework. Brandon, Gore. Yeah. Brandon Gore. He said in Framework... Uh, furniture is always functional. If it's not functional, it's artwork. So I'm guessing it's artwork because I have no idea what you would do with this thing. It's definitely it stands apart. And yay. Yeah. It definitely is one of those artistic pieces. Just someone did something because they could, and it's weird. So uh, this, I think it's art is one of those things that a lot of times, you know it when you see it. And this is definitely art. And unfortunately when art doesn't really serve a functional purpose, I don't know. To me, I think it's more clever if you can make it functional and artistic as opposed right. to purely non-functional 
and artistic. And, and this is one that falls way further on the non-useful artistic side. I mean, For the certain- one cool thing I'll say is that it uncovers, like there is no internal guts to this cabinet because right. in this, in this video, there's a, a, a vase inside mm-hmm. and it, it's uncovered as he pulls it apart and you see a vase in there. So it's like, Hey, that's kind of cool. But I mean, there is no like center compartment really for just other than just that little vase. No, it's just, it's just one of those things you just go, Whoa, neat. Cool. Yeah. For certain. It's something that if you have a New York sized loft apartment, you do not probably not going to bring this home. (laughs) I think you you want to put one and one end out one window and one out at the, like the front door, you know, right. Or or you just plan on just keeping it all together and be like, we'll put the vase here and don't ever worry about being able to open it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think ultimately it would be cooler. And actually I just realized somebody said it in the comments here. It'd be cooler if you could automate it. Especially with yeah. like garage door opener button, just right. just so you can mess with people, you know. It's, Someone goes to like set something on top and it starts to expand on you, and it, then you could have like the cool like transformer sound <laughs> from the cartoon. <laughs> that would be even cooler. Yeah, it's it's actually funny. I was reading the comments on this, and although it was shared a lot, and uh, a lot of people saw it when I shared it on Facebook. The comments I got on it are very curmudgeonly. (laughs) 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 Kind of like what I just said. (laughs) Well, yeah, but just like, meh, I don't get it. This is stupid. It's like, come on, just like it's it's neat. And someone spent the time to make something that does this. Yeah, it's not practical, but it's it's neat. And it's something to distract you while you're sitting on a toilet for five seconds and on my Facebook page. <laughs> it's not yeah. that big of a deal. <laughs> As I've been learning recently, it's uh, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. Well, who am I kidding? It really doesn't have any value. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's kind of cool. And the, the builder in particular, if you go to this Vimeo uh, video, I, I was I actually changed it it was a gizmodo article but i put the the vimeo video on there to give the original maker credit you can actually find other pieces that they've made that have a similar sort of artistic flair to them that you might be interested in all right let's move into our poll of the week we don't have one from last week but this week's if you want to participate is how often do you find yourself unmotivated to get into the shop oh and by the way the polls are from our good buddy tom Ivino at tomsworkbench.com hey tom Hey Tom, so uh, head to the Finally website. Finally, a poll. I can just, I can, I can easily answer this one. What are the answers? What, what are my choices? <laughs> I have to go look. <laughs> All at them. the above, <laughs> uh, Matt. After the show, why don't you go to the Wood Whisperer and click on the link and answer that poll? Can you put yeah. the link in the show notes and I'll get to there? <laughs> I will. That's a great idea. All right, let's move into our kickback. Uh, we've got, let's see, one here from Tom Buell. And by the way, two of these this week came from the website. So if you go to the Wood Talk Show website, to whatever episode you want to comment about and leave a comment there, there's a good chance it'll actually get on the show. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing Imagine how that, that. works. It's actually, things in life. that's what we do when we don't get enough email kickback. So. <laughs> we, we start dragging up. And you might even notice that it doesn't actually belong to our website. Sometimes we're like, that's close enough to something. Yeah, we just, took this from, we just took it from fine woodworking. This is fine. <laughs> Straight it's, off of CNN.com. <laughs> yeah. So my stance on gay marriage is, oh, uh, wait, that's definitely not our website. Hey, yo, let's not start down that path. <laughs> All right. So this is from our good buddy, Tom Buell. Uh, the, and he had a comment about the discussion on repeating techniques in magazines and also online. He says, both Mark and Matt mentioned the value of hearing a message from the voice of your choice. Also relevant is that some moments you are ready to actually process and use some information. You could read, hear about a technique many times, but when you're in need of just such a Excuse me, but when you are in need or just in a receptive mood, the message is heard fresh. As I approach my 10-year mark in woodworking, I've seen a few cycles of the magazines. When you are new or a new-to-you technique is there, um, there's so... 
I'm having trouble reading Tom's writing. What is my problem here? I have a hard time sometimes reading Tom's stuff, and it's not because it's not well-written. It's because my mind is just like, Tom wrote us. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> We're just so excited. Uh, there is so much to learn that not all aspects can sink in, but it's easy to find helpful material. As you become more experienced, the amount you learn from any one article or issue diminishes, yet you can still learn or be reminded of something. One small item can have big impact as you have a stronger base. So I don't read cover to cover as in the beginning, but I still read certain articles on the very basic techniques and have my woodworking improving for it. That's good. That's a good point. And I I, I responded to Tom and said, you know, it reminds me of when I used to watch Woodworks, one of the first woodworking shows I really got into. And now that they're on DVD, I have an opportunity to watch them again. And it's, you know, nearly 10 years later. And it is very interesting watching these techniques and things that were actually part of the core foundation of of sort of who I became. That's a a really good point because I did the same thing very recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember just being in, well, I'm still in awe. Let's be real. David <laughs> There's plenty of awe. You know, that hasn't changed. Yeah. But I, I remember watching those originally going, you know, there's no way. Or a lot of times like, why would I want to build that, you know, yeah. justification or whatever. And now I'm like, I could do that. There's I one, want to build totally that. Totally do that. You no, know, it's going to be hard, but I could do that. Yeah, there's I one, might do that now. One in particular that really perplexed me that was way over my head at the time that I saw it initially on sea when turtle, it was aired. Uh, toy box? No, that, that well, <laughs> in terms of carving, yes, because there's definitely a certain... In terms of keeping your child up at night. <laughs> um, it's his Egyptian, uh, ca- like Egyptian chest of drawers type thing that he made that had some interesting angles, compound angles in it that I just did not comprehend at the time. Um, and I'd be very curious to watch that again today and see if I have the same impression. Uh, but Tom's point about when you're receptive to it, uh, and I think that's part of what turns us from being like not just daily consumers. Instead, we are consuming when the need presents itself. So, you know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily just peruse all the time, hoping to get something new. You are targeted and you say, this is what I want to learn about. Let me go look and find that information. And then you find the sources that way. Well, you know, that's one thing with the DVD compilations that they have, or just at least the, the indexes being able to Mm -hmm. do that, just type in some obscure term and have things come up that's that's fantastic because i i do that with the old magazines at least when i used to have my old ones i gave them away last year but i remember just like flipping through and it was almost like this random thing where like oh my gosh yeah i wanted to learn something about this or i didn't know i wanted to learn about this so i've I've done that when i was sort of calling the magazine herd to some extent uh (laughs) at one point and i saw like i don't know fine woodworking or an old you know pop woodworkings uh what was it called wood woodworking yeah yeah Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that magazine, I'd, like I would look at one of those and I just start to leaf through it. And it's like, wow, I have never read this before. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though I know I did, I, I'm looking at it because it's just uh, it's just one of those things you you read enough about this stuff. And it's it, like is in one ear and out the other, unless I truly need that bit of information at the time. But mm. I could go back through and read a whole year's worth of magazines. And it's it's almost like it's new to me again. I have that feeling people watch my show in a very similar way. They're like, the guy's a moron. That guy's a complete – oh, oh, that one little thing he just said at the <laughs> – Yeah, isn't that Wood Talk as well? <laughs> yeah, what, 200, exactly. 250 plus episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway. 
<laughs> cool. Well, let's go on to this next kickback that came in from Nick. And Nick says, regarding your discussion of helical heads on planers, I seem to remember a discussion of this on another podcast that shall not be named, which actually Nick does go on to name in a few uh, lines here. Uh, they pointed out that the helical head, for whatever reason, causes the amperage drawn by the machine to go up. So, so much so that you may end up tripping breakers. They postulated that it was because there is always a blade in contact with the wood with the helical heads as opposed to only one third of the time with straight knife models. Uh, and then Nick went ahead and found a link to the show and he goes on to say, I don't know if anyone has noticed this to be a real world issue. Most tool circuits are probably not more than 20 amps. So you would think a lot of breakers would just be getting tripped. Hmm. So I have yet to have this issue. And I know recently when, what was I, uh, I was working on, um, Oh my gosh, there was something uh, I was going, I know for Sam's uh, brunch table, I was working with some hard maple for the apron itself. And I was really, I wanted to get through it. So I was pushing the limits of the depth that it could possibly be taken mm-hmm. with the uh, planer. And I, my lights never dimmed. I had uh, the planer and actually my dust collector on the same circuit. I didn't have an issue. Maybe, maybe the issue was that my boards weren't wide enough to make it a, an issue if it is an issue. Is huh. that the issue? Is I don't know. It could be an issue. Mm. Could be. We should you find know, what, out. Yeah, hey, I wonder what issue that we can find that in. Did you guys know that we were mentioned on their show recently? We were? Yeah. I and, heard that. And they said that we have to pay them back. And I I let them know that two episodes before we had mentioned Shop Talk Live. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, so we're even. <laughs> Retroactive. <Yes>. Retroactively <laughs> even. Uh, but I will mention that the reason we were brought up was because they read a review that told them that they were number two to us. Oh. So, <laughs> you're number two. You're number two. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes that's just the way it goes, guys. Um, well, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that I meant, I'm glad you mentioned that it was Shop Talk that mentioned it because I said in Nick's feedback that he was going to mention what the show was, and then and I never he, mentioned it. Yeah, he didn't. There you go. So, Shop Talk, in case you haven't heard it yet. It, seriously, though, we're all friends. I don't think there's any animosity between us, although they did sound like they were kind of disgusted when they heard that. But <laughs> was that before or <laughs> after? You be? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I just wouldn't have read it on the show. <laughs> that's very simple. Well, for the record, I think that's like the second or third time that they've been referenced as coming in behind us. I just want to point that out. But I mean, it's irrelevant. I'm sure they love it. <laughs> but, but, you know, Shop Talk guys don't feel bad it's not a reflection upon you or your skill it's a reflection upon the low quality of the audience basically <laughs> that's perfect i mean the audience just likes the lowest common denominator i mean it's welcome to america yes, you know that's what we're all about let's please and, insult the audience that's always good yes. well I, I think actually that's going to be the uh name of the uh episode the low quality audience <laughs> nice there you oh. go or Shop Talk Live's number two, always. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, dude. That's the title. That's All right. This uh, kickback comes from James. He says, hey, guys, just a quick note on the comment about not being able to find rigid planer blades at Home Depot. I believe Matt was saying that he couldn't find the straight blades for his rigid thickness planer. That's very right. James works at Home Depot. So I checked and we carry rigid planer blades in the store I work. They are merchandised in an odd spot and very easy to miss. But yes, they are out there. Uh, I love to the fact that he says they're in an odd spot, but doesn't tell us where. <laughs> Good luck finding it. So we still don't know where they are. So this is not a public service. They're outside with the plants. I don't know why. Somewhere they're in the store. So they are uh, conveniently located between ant poison. And uh, faucet repair. It's actually the uh, hot dog vendor out front is the one that has them. Hey, I wonder if it's the person coming around with the clipboard always asking if you want siding or new windows. Right. 
So, so basically getting planer blades at Home Depot, it's going to be an adventure because now you have to ask someone and that's always an adventure. At Home there Depot. you go. Um, nice. He also goes on to mention that his store recently started carrying walnut. These wow. are one inch thick S4S and sold by the linear foot. Uh, that's crazy. You ask that's me. interesting. Had, Surprising. He, he says, I don't know if big box stores, if this is a regional thing, if everybody else is doing it, but heck no, I have not heard this ever. The only other one I don't I know of is uh, Menards. I don't know how many people have a Menards, but we have a Menards, and they have several different species. And walnut is actually one of them. And I look at it and go, "What? what? No, no." I wish that the big box stores would start stocking domestic rough lumber. Like it's fine that they do a whole you know series of domestic pre-milled stuff, and I understand why they can't do this. But if they, I mean. Shannon, from your perspective, would would that just be terrible for guys like the company um, J Monkey Dinkelstein? Um, no, because um, we're it, it wouldn't affect us in the slightest. I mean, we're just a totally different market. But I think it, it I don't know. See, like, like, it, like it would almost like Walmart getting into a particular area they weren't in before. Right, and and the concern is it could be good because a there's so many sawmills going out of business because just overall production was down for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recession and people were going out of business at the same time though some of these big box stores and i'm thinking of walmart specifically have a tendency to kill businesses because they demand such low prices right that they can't i mean that's one of the things lumber is expensive to produce and the profit margins are so tight to begin with because you know you got to grow the tree then you got to cut it down and then you got to saw it into boards and you've got to dry it um and it's all got to be done in a controlled manner and then shipped somewhere and it's not cheap to ship. So it's one of those things where there's only so much you can drive that price down before the sawmill just says, look, I'm not going to do this anymore because I can't make any money on it. Mm-hmm. So it could be good in the fact that a greater demand for, well, walnut would not be good. There's already plenty of demand on walnut for a tree that doesn't grow very heartily to begin with. But if it were you know, other things like cherry, lots of cherry out there, it could be really, really good to help you know, um, buoy some sawmills that are struggling, but I also wonder how much of that would go the other direction. Yeah. Is that Baba Buoy? <laughs> Baba Buoy. We would yes. Baba Buoy them. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, well, in the end, the lumber industry is so not about us, about, you know, us hobby woodworkers or even small woodworkers. Everything is, is catered towards large production, commercial production mills. So who knows? I, I could totally picture somebody coming up who is not familiar with the idea of, of rough lumber um, and going, listen, I, I will take this one from the cold area. You got like a really large stack. And this is really – look at how wavy this is and it's uh, it's going to go through a lot of sandpapers. So I'll take this off your hands. Well, I can see why they you know why they don't do it. But I'm just thinking from the perspective of, of someone who just occasionally needs a few boards of something sure. and I don't want to yeah. buy the pre-milled stuff. I would love for that to be right around the corner. Um, but but I understand well, yeah. also that that holds it's a certain amount of business risks and I would not want to see other companies well, suffer as a result. The- it's the volume thing with Home Depot. When Home Depot does something, they have to be prepared to like have hundreds of thousands of them. Sure, you yeah, know? in every store. Um, yeah, I had this conversation with uh, Thomas Lee Nielsen a while ago. You know, even though Lee Nielsen is still, uh, you know, a small company, it's one of the ten thousand pound gorillas in the hand tool world. So people are like, "Well, why can't you do this plane or this plane?" And he's like, "Because I have to be prepared to make twenty five thousand of them. Right. You know, I can't, I can't just turn out two of them or three of them on a limited basis. It's got to be ready for production. And you imagine that times, you know, three hundred thousand <laughs> stores. I don't know how many stores Home Depot has, but 
that would be kind of nuts. So from a buying perspective, I imagine they would have real trouble consistently keeping, you know, um, certainly quality, but keeping species. Well, it, but based on based on uh, the number of emails that we frequently get on, I only have home centers. Where else can I buy this stuff? There would definitely be people that would be loving that idea. But you're, yeah, I, I totally yeah. get where you're coming from. I, I'm with Mark. I would love it too. I used to have a Woodcraft local that I could go. And yes, it was expensive to buy, you know, a board from Woodcraft, but Mm -hmm. it's cheaper than, you know, having to go drive further and buy more board than you need, you know, because Woodcraft would sell S4S like in three eighths, half inch, um, three quarter thickness. And if I was doing something, I needed a thinner board. It didn't make sense to go and buy a four quarter piece and have all that, you know, work to do and, and whatever, uh, possible waste. So, it was nice. Um, then it went out of business. I have, <laughs> I, I have no no other option. So yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Let's move into our email. No voicemails today. What? Uh, first one is uh, from Andrew. He says, "I've just finished making a step stool for my soon-to-be three-year-old daughter for her birthday." Well, happy birthday, three-year-old daughter of Andrew. Happy birthday. Um, As a daddy-daughter exercise, I was going to get her to help me paint it so that the paint is child-safe. I was going to use a water-based paint and then put a top coat over top of that. In the past, I've used water-based poly for projects like this, but I found that the colors run when I put the poly coat on. Do you have any suggestions for an alternative top coat? I'd like something that's really quick so that she can use the step stool or the step as soon as possible after the paint has dried. I was thinking something like spray-on lacquer, but is that child-safe? All right, so here's the thing. I, I was a little, I mean, I don't do a whole lot of coating onto like latex painted surfaces, but if you're using a water-based top coat on top of cured paint, I'm a little bit surprised that he would see color running. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I would think that it would dry to a film and then you'd be able to layer the poly on top of that and it should be okay. So who knows what products specifically. I, I think the key is cured paint. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, if you're throwing it right on top after it's uh, just applied, that could be problematic. But again, different products. Maybe he wasn't even using a water-based material and it kind of started to dissolve the paint or cause it to lift. Who knows? A lot of factors. But I'm going to take a step back and recommend something a little bit different. And this is something I've done for things that I made for my son that I feel pretty good about. And that's to use milk paint. Milk paint, mm. milk paint is just a great product. It's a lot of fun for uh, like a kid to get involved in. It's very safe as far as the material goes. Uh, and they can have a ball applying that to the surface. And once it's dry, it's very easy to top coat with any type of water-based poly or acrylic uh, finish that you want to use. Something like general fornit. Yeah, general fornication. General fornication. (laughs) Wow. Why did that even come out of my mouth? What is the point of that? Like, how would I even go there? But I'm glad you knew exactly where I was headed, Matt. Uh, General finishes. You know what it is? It's high performance. The word performance and finishes somehow in my head. I was looking two words. Sure, Mark. Uh Sure. I I think that's what happened. We know what Mark looks at while we do the (laughs) show now. Now we know what the Uh, other name of this show is going to be. Great (laughs) stuff. Yeah. General fornication. That'll go over well. Uh, So general get a restraining order out of that one, but (laughs) general finishes high performance. It's a a really good water-based solution. That's going to give you a nice durable top coat. And the great thing with the water-based stuff is it dries really fast. So that should uh, meet your needs. You could even brush it on. If you want to, you could spray it if you have the equipment, but if you're getting the kid involved, uh, you may just want to get a brush and you know, it might come out like crap, but who cares? It's uh, daddy daughter time. You guys are having fun. So I would, I like the idea of the milk paint thing. I think for a kid, it's kind of an all natural product and, and it just feels right. 
Um, but that said, if you go with any type of latex paint, you probably should be able to top coat that with any type of acrylic or, um, you know, this uh, general finishes high, high fornication, um, which w- should work just fine as well. At least in theory, I don't see any reason. You could why also it could also just a use a shellac. I mean, that's not going to, that's a, a good sealer, right? Yeah. And it's the same stuff they coat pills with, right? So that's got to be child safe. So there you go. Yeah. Shellac is a child safe finish. Um, I'm not so confident on like shellac over latex. Right. I mean, it pro- yeah. I mean it, it might be okay, but I always get concerned when there's a, you know, fairly caustic thinner involved in the mix that could cause uh, like the latex layer to pull up or bubble a little bit. And, and again, I don't know much about latex paint. I try to make sure I always qualify my comments with that. I don't top coat paint ever. Uh, it just isn't something I do. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, well, generally- you know, the, the nice thing about that is if you use shellac, again, it's another daughter daddy experience because uh, the daughter could potentially eat the shellac flakes if you got the raw stuff and dad could be enjoying the alcohol while waiting for the shellac flakes. Yeah, well, and that's actually a good point. If the the girl is helping him, you probably don't want to use shellac because the ethanol is pretty nasty stuff, the denatured alcohol in there. Um, So you'd probably rather not have her breathe that, but... I was just thinking go buy the stuff in the can. Right. (laughs) Mix the shellac. Wow. No, I mean, even still, I don't know, go mixing stuff just straight just out of the, the can, can. That stuff, that stuff will knock you out. You take a good whiff of it. Actually, or I really use like wax it. <laughs> and then laugh and laugh when she falls <laughs> off the stuff. There you go. That's a good idea. All right. I think that's about it. Matt, you're up. All right. Well, this next one came in. And the reason why I grabbed this question is just the name alone. It's from War Eagle Woodworker. Hey, oh, when I start a, uh, either a motorcycle gang or my own band, that will be the name that I'll, I'll use. That's very American. It is. It's going to look awesome on the back of my leather jacket. Sweet. Sweet. So anyways, War Eagle Woodworker says, My question involves zero clearance inserts and dado blades. For an upcoming project, I picked up the Freud SD208 professional dado set on Amazon along with a zero clearance insert table for my old 10-inch Craftsman contractor saw. Now it's time to set up the insert plate, and I'm trying to decide – what width to set for the zero clearance? Is it common to set the insert for the maximum width of the dado set or for the most common dado cut, say three quarters of an inch? Or do you recommend getting several inserts and keeping one on hand for common sizes such as quarter inch, half inch, three quarter inch, etc.? Okay, I prefer to actually have different sized uh, dado in- or dado inserts, yeah, different sized ones for my zero clearance. So I want one for quarter inch, I want one for half inch, and then whatever else I use, which means then, to answer the other question is, yeah, I'm usually going to have more than one of those. And in here, War Eagle Woodworker said that he purchased one from Amazon, he or she, actually, I should not make the assumption that War Eagle is a male name. Sexist. I'm such a jerk that way. So anyways, the War Eagle, uh, I I usually would have at least one or two on hand. And oftentimes, zero clearance inserts, depending on the shape of your table saw insert, more likely it's kind of like that weird ovalish kind of a thing. A lot of people will make their own, which makes means then you can make them as needed so you could have several on hand without really breaking the bank. Although, to be quite honest, they're not super, super expensive. So if you could buy maybe one or two to have on hand, chances are you'll find one the size that you're going to need. So I think even though I only have the quarter inch, I might have one other that's like three eighths or something. Mm. And it works fine for me because in that situation, let's say I do need to go a three quarter inch dado. What I do is just, if I have a three eighths inch one that I've made up, I just simply make that pass. Then I adjust the fence and I make a pass. And now I have the three quarter inch dado. Ta-da! So, 
It works wow. for me, and it's inexpensive. You know what I use? The one uh, that came with the saw. Oh yeah. So it's the metal one, and I, I that's the only time I use. Like I have both the standard metal one for regular cuts, and I use that for bevel cuts. And mm-hmm. then I have the dado one that I use for all of my dados. I would love to have like individual sized inserts for that. Uh, but those, the ones I buy, cause I'm too lazy to make my own, um, <laughs> they're a little expensive. So mm-hmm. I've, I've always found that with, with dados, I'm usually not making any kind of a through cut. So the work is most times supported by the table itself. And the fact that there's a little bit of a gap between the, the opening and the blade itself is inconsequential for most things that I do. So I've just never felt the need to, to make zero clearance inserts for, for dados. Well, you know, since we're doing the confession portion of this, actually, it wasn't until uh, Saw Stop sent me my saw, and then they sent along a few of those other ones going, you might want to use these because it looks better. And I'll go, well, okay, if you say so. Yeah, up till then, I had like one, and if it was a larger stack dado than the one that I had, because I didn't want to like mess that one up because it looked really cool, um, I would just remove that into kind of what you're describing there. Just right. like, hmm, there we go. I'm not worried about it. I'm not seeing it. It's not happening. Good enough. <laughs> cool. I can remember that the stock metal one that came with my Delta, um, and I think I had the same data set that that he's talking about here. I like loaded it up to the widest one, and um, this was long, long ago. And uh, it turns out that that metal one, the metal insert, wasn't quite wide enough. Oh no! It was just <laughs> wide enough that you could like set it in place, you know. But you forget about like the added width that comes from the carbide brazing and everything. And whoops, fired that thing up, and boy, that made a fun noise. Uh, that's got to make you a little, yeah, pooper a pants. light show and all kinds of things. So yeah, <laughs> I uh, after that point, I never used the uh, the metal insert anymore because it was. It wasn't. It didn't lie flat anymore. Just put it that way. And then, and then Shannon to, went to hand tools. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after that, yeah. you know, one thing I, I should mention is also there are some inserts that you can actually get an insert for the insert. Oh where you yes. Can take those in and out. Those are smart. so. Yeah, and those are neat, but I, I don't know what the maximum width that, that you could have for the insert, so that's definitely something to check out, but yeah. Plus, ma- they, ma- um, they don't make those for every saw that's out there. Like, it's somewhat limited. Yeah, and he says it's an old 10-inch Craftsman contractor saw, so we don't know how old the 10-inch Craftsman contractor saw actually is. Mm. So, yeah, anyways. Cool. There you go. All right, this uh, email comes from Daryl. He says, I purchase most of my lumber online. Occasionally, I get fewer board feet than I order. Not by much, but it is clearly less. The last order I made was for 10 board feet, and I received 9.6. Son of a... I know. Why do they do that? Is this considered close enough? I am confident that I am measuring them properly. Okay. Uh, Daryl. <laughs> Round up. No, um, that's that's a lot of times what's happening when the lumber is being pulled. Um, I'm pulling online orders um, at least once, twice, four times a day, six times today. And the problem is you kind of have to round up because there are not many boards out there that are 0.4 board feet. Um, And depending on what you've ordered, if you've just ordered a pack that is, you know, 10 board feet or 15 board feet, you might really have trouble. Your typical four quarter by say six inch wide, eight foot long board is what? Four board feet. So if you take two of those in there, now you've got eight board feet. Well, now I've got to come up with two board feet somewhere. And unless you've got just a whole bunch of scraps um, it's really difficult to kind of dial that in. 
when I'm doing it personally, I try to go over a little bit to meet that number so that they're, you know, I got 10.2 instead of, so you don't feel like you've been shorted. But the other issue is lumber is expensive to ship. So just if you're at, in this case at 9.6 and you throw another board on there and yeah, you know, maybe you're giving the, the person a couple of board feet for free or one board foot for free, but you're paying like $10 more in shipping. I'm talking about the lumber dealer yeah. is now doing this. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, that extra board could be an additional 10 pounds. Um, and then you're throwing in all the UPS measurements for girth and everything. You end up with uh, substantially more in in shipping. And you just can't do that. So um, a lot of times what you'll find when you do find online dealers that are selling flat um, flat volume packs, 10 board feet, 15 board feet, um, they generally are pulling from kind of a miscellaneous offcut pile, and they're able to do that. I sell 15 board foot packs on hardwood to go, and that's exactly how I do it. Um, I guarantee a size range, um, width and, and length range, your board will fall within this range, and it will be four quarter, eight quarter thickness, um, or in between there, and that's the best you can do. Um, so it, it's to be expected that there's going to be some variance. And I'm sorry to say it's expected that you will probably end up under than over just because it gets a lot more expensive fast to go over. So everybody who's ordered lumber for me and realizes, oh, I got 11 board feet instead of 10 board feet, you're welcome. And I'm going to say this, and this is totally just joking in case anybody's going to take this serious, but the uh, parts that you're coming up short on, Shannon actually puts in the back of his car and takes home, and that's how you see the projects. <laughs> there we go. I bet that happens. Well, you know what? I, I see this a little bit differently, and this isn't from experience or any kind of knowledge that this is coming from. It's just my gut as a consumer. To me, I think it's bad business for someone to order 10 board feet and end up with less. I think it's on the lumber dealer. It's their responsibility to give them 10 or more. And if it's the nature of lumber to require you to have you know, you can't just give them the point four. you got to give them extra. Well, then if you don't want to do that, you shouldn't be in the lumber business. You should go sell beads or something that you can count exactly. I think it's important that people order 10 board feet. They get at least 10 board feet. So I'd be very curious who, who is doing this. And I could see the argument, Shannon, for, for why you can't, because then shipping goes up and all this other stuff goes up. But that's not the consumer's problem. The consumer yeah. ordered 10 board feet. They no, I'm totally with you, and that's why I generally throw in another board. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, and yeah, it I sucks. feel bad. Right? It sucks, <laughs> and it's and it's at your expense that you do that. Um, but you do try your best to get as close as you can to ten. But if you can't get there, then you just got to throw in that extra short and be done with it because the person should get at least ten. I would, if I were him. I mean, it's only point four board feet. It's not that big of a deal. But I would use that information in my future purchases and call another online dealer and ask them what their policy is. And just see if you could find someone who, by policy, will give you at least what you purchased. I just chuck it up the water weight. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There we go. They're shipping it green, but on a slow boat. And yes. By the time it gets there, it's it just shrunk. Four. Exactly. What are you right. going to do? You, you can use that the next time somebody asks you, Shannon. You're welcome to. Wood shrinks. What it can was we do? 10 board feet when I sent it. As you got to put a post-it note in there, too, that said, hey, wood shrinks. Get over. <laughs> yeah. there you go. And they get a toothpick when they open it. What the? Sorry. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can do that. Just head to woodtalkshow.com. Click some of those links in the right-hand column and send us a little donation, a little something-something. Uh, you can also get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And while you're at the Wood Talk uh, site, click on giveaway and enter into our monthly 
giveaway. If you want to, go to iTunes as well. Look us up and leave us a five-star review. Don't have any new ones to read for you. So, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, a topic suggestion? You know, there's several different ways to contact us. And actually, you know what? You can contact the shipping department at, over at thewoodwhisperer.com because they love to talk to anybody and everybody from what I hear. <laughs> so you can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is woodtalkonline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And make sure you get 10 board feet if you order 10 board feet. If you don't, put up a fuss and blame it on Shannon. Man, it's 9.9 and I'm like, Shannon, I'm going to use this on you. (laughs) I'm expecting everybody who's ordered lumber for me to to post in the comments about you ended up with like 19 instead of 15. Go out and and measure. We need to know. (laughs) Back me up. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.